0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Manhattan Transfer performs its 50th anniversary farewell tour live at Strathmore in North Bethesda, Maryland this Friday. I spoke to longtime member Janice Siegel about the group's greatest four-part harmonies that dominated the Grammys in the 80s and wowed millennials with an appearance on TV's Home Improvement. Hey, Janice Siegel, hey, thank you so much for joining us on WTOP. My pleasure, Jason. We are here talking about your famous group, the Manhattan Transfer, a 10-time Grammy-winning vocal group. Hard to believe, 10. You know, take that, everybody else. Manhattan Transfer is coming to Strathmore. So what can we expect from the show? Um, I know it's always hard because I don't want to spoil the set list, but maybe is there <laughs> a way you could kind of maybe tease a song or two or three, you know, give us a, a sense of maybe some of your, your greatest hits or covers or anything we're going to hear?
1: Uh, well, this is a fiftieth anniversary show, and we'll be performing with the great uh, Diva uh, Jazz Orchestra. So you can expect um, some of the early big band numbers that we haven't been doing really live, uh, you know, in the past ten years, even twenty years. So yeah, that that's been a lot of fun. It, it's it's a little bit of a retrospective, although it's hard to to do 50 years worth in in just 90 minutes but we'll do our best
0: (laughs) awesome well since it is sort of a retrospective let's 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 go through a little of the retrospection if you will uh how to remind our listeners how how the group uh formed originally
1: uh we got together in 72 which would make us 50 years old
0: there you go that makes sense doing the math yeah
1: do the math baby uh, and yeah we we met uh, in Manhattan hence the name.
0: I think there was like an earlier version that Tim Houser had but but your group the actual group we've come to know and love that is celebrating 50 years was the one that was formed in 72. Yes. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right I mean do you could you could you shed a little light on how how you met Alan Paul and and Laurel Massey and and Tim Hauser like how, how did the group come together?
1: Tim Tim was a cab driver and he actually picked up Laurel in the cab. And I also met him through the cab, funnily (laughs) enough. So that's kind of a wacky story. Then um, Tim and I and Laurel found ourselves together and we decided to uh, sort of reform a new iteration of the Manhattan Transfer. And we wanted another man, we wanted two men and two women to make it you know, even kind of like the old vocal groups like the the Pied Pipers where you have that mixed gender sound. So uh, we found Alan uh, swinging on a rope on Broadway. He was in the uh, original cast of of Grease, uh, <laughs> a new show that opened up in 1972 on Broadway.
0: Some new show that no one had yeah. heard of at the time, and now we all know. Yeah, <laughs>
1: well, now we all know it. It's Who did he part- play?
0: What role was he playing?
1: He was um, Teen Angel.
0: Oh, he was a Teen Angel. All right. He
1: was Teen Angel. <laughs> oh, it was actually a double role. He was Johnny Casino and Teen Angel.
0: Ah, okay. And then in the movie, who was it? Was it Frankie? Uh, What's it? Frankie Avalon?
1: Avalon played did his his role. Yeah, right. The beauty school dropout. That whole thing. Right. That's exactly.
0: Awesome. <laughs> um. Well, uh, I know you have a slightly different uh lineup now, right?
1: Yeah. Well, Tim Houser, our founder, passed away mm-hmm. in two thousand fifteen. So um sadly we miss him terribly, but uh we have a wonderful bass singer, Tris Curless, it's been with us uh for he, Tris was actually subbing for Tim when, when Tim was ill. So um Tim Tris has been with us quite a while. And that's that's that it's Cheryl Benteen, myself, Alan Paul, and Tris Curlis, and the again, the fabulous Diva Jazz Orchestra. Absolutely. Take a moment.
0: I want to take a moment to, um, you know, if they, if, if your, your fellow Manhattan transfer, you know, uh, cohorts are listening to this, I, I want to know like one by one, like what makes each one of them special, sort of an them. nothing bad, them. you know, with kindness, with compliments, you know, make them blush a little bit. You know what, what, what makes, what makes Alan Paul so great? We'll start there.
1: <laughs> well, Alan, Alan is a, a pure, real entertainer. I mean, he's it's actually how, you know, he was a role model for me to learn how to entertain because I was, I came more from the just purely music side of things and recording. So, um, yeah, Alan, Alan gives a thousand percent, you know, on stage, every show. Um, Trist is an awesome musician and, um, uh, he's he's he really is the reason we could keep going, you know, after Tim's uh, passing, because that was was pretty tragic and life changing. Uh, so he he's been he's been a great great companion in the, the these final years of the transfer. And Cheryl is our super soprano. I mean, she's also an incredible entertainer, and and uh, uh, just. I mean, we don't do solos so much anymore, but I used to love to listen to everybody sort of do their own thing for a little bit in a a show for solos. But you'll be able to hear a lot of, of people's voice, you know, solo, solo turns, you know, in this show at Strathmore.
0: Awesome. Thanks for, you know, building up all of your, your fellow colleagues there. And then, and then for old time's sake, just while we're at it for fan, maybe fans that, that, you know, were with you all from the beginning, you know, what made the late Tim Hauser so special. And then also, and Laurel Massey, Massey left the group after like a car accident too, man. yeah,
1: Seven years after we started. Yeah. She, she decided to leave, but we're going to be reuniting with her actually for a special show in Albany, which is going to be the 29th of March. Oh, great. Oh, great. yeah, well, what made
0: what made Tim, you know, in, you know, in, in hindsight now, you know, and after his passing, why was he such a, a great key founding, you know, a foundation of the group? What, what made well, his voice
1: so good? He had vision. He had vision like all, you know, lit- leaders do. He had vision and he had knowledge. Um, he he knew all, so much about music and a wide array of music, you know, from from doo-wop to bluegrass to uh, bebop to swing you know he just was a fountain of knowledge and i learned a lot from him
0: awesome um talk about sort of that 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 early debut your recording debut at least um i know you formed in 72 but the actual album debut i guess what was it in 19 what was it 75 the manhattan yes, transfer um Talk about uh, putting that one together and also how at, at that time you were mostly still like an East Coast, you know, sort of cult, building up a cult following. Um, talk, talk about sort of those days um, before the big CBS uh, variety special and t- uh, series on TV.
1: Yeah. Well, um, we, we were playing a lot of um, small clubs uh, in New York City and, uh, you know, sort of underground clubs, you know, late late night shows, three shows a night, whatever. We we performed a lot in New York, especially these little cabarets that were popping up in New York. Um, it was it was a good, you know, timing is everything. It was the time when glitter rock was starting and sort of people were starting to dress up again after the sort of jeans and t shirt era of an introspective introspection of the uh, folk era, the singer songwriter era. Um, so people were starting to go out and dress up and we were the perfect group for that. Because, well, not only were we dressed up in, in vintage clothes or you know, crazy, crazy clothes, but we were performing, we were entertaining. We weren't just standing there and singing. Although we were singing fairly complex music in, in four-part harmony, we always wanted to uh, entertain as well, you know, to, to really visually express the music um, so by the time we got our first record deal, we had pretty much gone through almost every record label, and they, although they loved us and loved us live, they didn't, they couldn't figure out how to sell records with us until we met Amiter again, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he just signed us the night he saw us because I think in large part because we uh, we appealed to his personal taste. But um, I don't think he gave it too much, you know, real thought about how he was going to sell the records. (laughs) He just signed us and we we made our first record with Atlantic Records, uh, basically material that we'd been performing, you know, for a couple of years. So that was that was pretty tight already. We were with Atlantic for 15 years. We had a good relationship with them.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, if you only knew how many artists I've interviewed on here, uh, that, that credit Ahmed Ermagan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, well, he but, was
1: a lead, he was legendary and his brother. as uh, Well, Nesui.
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mentioned it briefly, but, um, how fun? How much did that 1975 CBS Variety TV series help out? Boost boost your, I guess, your recognizability beyond just you know your East Coast fans have, that were coming out to. Your I coast. don't
1: know. I don't know if it did. I I'm not, I'm not sure if it if uh, it translated into record sales or any of that because we were very very popular. The numbers showed mm-hmm. that we had a lot of viewers on the West Coast, on the East Coast, but in the middle of the country, it was nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not quite sure uh, how that helped us. It was an incredible experience to to go from playing small little underground clubs and buying thrift store clothes to having a major television show on CBS.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, and it wasn't just the east and west coast of America. It also quote pun intended transferred over the pond cuz didn't you have a number one hit in Europe too, right?
1: Uh, Chanson de Moier was Yeah, thanks uh,
0: for saying it way better than I could. Yeah,
1: well, I took <laughs> I took French in high school. I'm not I'm not far much more far along than you
0: but <laughs> chanson d'amour is that how you say it chanson d'amour. chanson mort. awesome <laughs> well it, it showed you had some you know you could could you know cross it, cross the pond it um, shows
1: you what i can do with with three years of high school french
0: that yeah, yeah it's exactly exactly the the paris transfer there you go um
1: Pretty sure that's J Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday, so the fun never ends.
0: Blinded by the item. Listen wherever you get podcasts, and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um. Well, uh, and I'm trying to remind some of our listeners some of the you know the actual individual tunes they might recognize too. Because didn't wasn't what was the fr- the first um uh was
1: Birdland was that the first Grammy you won? Uh, that was the first Grammy. Yeah, uh, actually, we won two Grammys for Birdland. Uh, I won one for uh, best vocal arrangement, and then later that evening, we won for uh, best jazz vocal. Uh, yeah, so that was the first. Yeah, 1980. Right, 1980,
0: and then as we mentioned, ten more followed. So we probably I won't, yep. I won't i won't i won't make you list all of them. But do
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I don't know if I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, Boy from New York City, Nightingale sang in Berkeley Square, Until I Met You Corner Pocket, Route 66, Why Not, Vocalese was, I guess, an album, Another Night in Tunisia, Brazil, Sassy, uh, this, and and we could go on and on. Um, we could,
1: we could go on.
0: <laughs> um, not just Grammys, but everything else. What was it like getting inducted in the Vocal Group Hall of Fame? I guess that was in 98.
1: Yeah, uh, that was a uh, big honor, a big honor, you know, um, where... We're, you know, aside from being singers, we're, we're historians and lovers of, of vocal music, the history of it. I collect, and so does Alan, and so does Trist, really, uh, vocal groups. Um, so I, I love analyzing them and seeing the different styles of harmony that they do. So it was a thrill. It was definitely a thrill. I forget who else was inducted that year with us, but... Um, it it you know it it always uh, has a lot of uh, vocal group aficionados there. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Well, I'm also in addition to, you know, a music fan, I'm also a huge, you know, movie and and TV fan. So you probably know where I'm going with this. But I want to ask you about a couple of the you know, Manhattan transfers guest appearances on other shows and movies and things. So (laughs) I will never forget seeing you all in that Christmas episode of Home Improvement with Tim Allen. And uh, you're on the set of Tool Time coming on and singing. uh, What was it? Santa Claus is coming to town and it came upon a midnight clear. How exciting. How exciting was it to be on the set of Home Improvement with the I mean, that show was so red hot at the time you came on there.
1: It was. It was. It was great. And uh, what's his name? Tim. Tim Allen. Tim Allen was 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 wonderful. Yeah, really. They they made us feel very special. (laughs) It it was great.
0: And member of what Richard Karn played Al Borland. And there was a whole thing where, you know, two members of your group were Tim and Al. And they said, "Hey, do you work for him or something?" He said, "I don't think yeah. so, Tim." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was they were trying to chainsaw Santa Claus out of the out of the chimney, and you
1: have to keep going to town. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you really did watch it a few times. Wow, uh, it, it was, uh, it was
0: when, I think we like recorded it on a VHS and like watched Aww. it every Christmas. So those VHS. Christmas episodes keep you in rotation. You know what I mean? Well, and also speaking of which, um, in terms of the big screen, didn't you record a couple songs for A League of Their Own as well, the baseball movie?
1: Uh, Yes, we recorded um, Choo Choo Boogie and Sunny Side of the Street, I believe.
0: Yeah, those were the two. Those were the two. Well, what was it like getting to sit there and you look up on screen and see, you know, Tom Hanks and everybody and, and you hear your song on the soundtrack? It's got to be a, a bizarre feeling. to sit in the theater and actually hear your stuff.
1: I, I wouldn't say it's bizarre. It's pretty great. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times you don't know how they're going to use the music. You you don't. that's not in your contract or your purview. You record the song, but then they use it sometimes in unexpected ways, like when we recorded uh, Route 66 for Sharky's Machine with Burt Reynolds. We did this great arrangement of Route 66. Bobby Troop and Julie London came to the session. It was awesome. And then in the in the actual movie, it's playing in a tiny a tiny little radio, <laughs> like just a snippet of it as as uh, Burt Reynolds comes into a par- in an apartment or something. So all that work and it's coming out of this tiny tiny one inch speaker uh, in the movie.
0: <laughs> I know it probably sounded so like low fire whatever out of that little speaker yeah. on screen yeah. and a diegetic sound on a screen, and you're like, wait a minute, we worked so hard on it. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, speaking of that year, um, you know, I mentioned the the Tim, uh, Tim Taylor thing, Christmas episode. But tell me about sort of your Christmas albums. I guess you released the first first uh, Manhattan Transfer Christmas album that year that you did that that appearance on the show. Ninety two. So, yeah. And you, think, and you followed up with acapella Christmas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first one was with the great Johnny Mandel, which was a real thrill. And I'm so grateful we got to work with him at all.
0: Right. That's <laughs> a he legend.
1: Became, he became a friend.
0: And then I guess you also followed up with the Pentatonics Christmas. You kind of did a white Christmas collab with, with them. I guess pentatonics, I guess could be a modern version of you guys. I don't know if that's a fair comparison, yeah, but. No,
1: definitely. Uh, I think we influenced them a little bit, but yeah, they're, they're a modern, modern uh, version. Certainly. They have more people, you know, we stayed like pretty pure with just the four parts, which is difficult, more difficult. The tenors have to have a bigger range for, for starters you know absolutely
0: uh, but don't you think yeah. the don't you think the foursome the you all's all voices and your harmonies it's sort of tailor made to put christmas albums out i'm glad you finally did
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah 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 um awesome well anything else we want to say about the show you've been more than generous with your time uh why um, should our which, why should our folks come on out to the
1: Strathmore on the 24th because it, it's going to be i mean if you if you love harmony and you love big band music um and you know any of our songs, because we're going to be doing, a, I mean, two, two and a half hours worth of show. It's a big show. Um, and and the addition of Diva just makes it so special. Um, you know, so we're going to be doing stuff from the very first record all up until the latest one, The Junction. Uh, yep. Well, the 50 is really the, the latest, but, but uh, we're not doing anything from 50. for this show
0: do you have a final seconds you just inspired this question do you have a favorite of all of the albums that you did i know that's a hard question but if let's actually i'll phrase it this way if we have younger listeners tuning into this and you want them to do you know like discover manhattan transfer like what where would be like a good entry point for them to go back in your discography and say Mm -hmm. all right this is what we're all about
1: that's a tough question yeah i mean my favorite record is probably uh vocalese because i love that that Art form. I love that style of jazz singing. That's where you lyricize an existing instrumental, and you basically make up a new song. You make a, a construct a new song, singing all the solos and all the um, the background parts. So we've been doing that from from the very get with uh, with our music. But Vocalise is a collaboration with the great John Hendricks. So, if they have any interest in like John Vocalese or John Hendrix, Lambert Hendrickson Ross, you know, this is a continuation of that art form.
0: Awesome. Uh, So your favorite is Vocalese. and I will tell our listeners a little tidbit that Vocalese got twelve Grammy nominations, meaning it's I guess it's second only to Michael Jackson's Thriller as like most nominated for an album, I believe. At least it was at the time. We gotta let you folks know, younger ones, how big man Trenton Transfer was and (laughs) is at the Strathmore coming up on March twenty fourth.
1: We're we're looking for. We really are looking forward to it.
0: Yes. Well, we we really are. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: My pleasure, Jason. All right, All right
0: be well. We'll see you at Strathmore. Okay,
1: thank Bye. you. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.